Hey, uh, recently we have been here at Pine Rivers Vineyard working through a series called All Things New. You know, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his ascension to be seated in the heavenlies beside the Father, we see in the book of Revelations, Jesus, or John the Revelator, catches this proclamation coming from the throne of God that Jesus is busy, even right now, making all things new. And that's only possible because Jesus has, in fact, taken on the power sources and the power structures that have been at work robbing God of his um, created plans. And so um, we see in Jesus he is restoring people to like a full human life, what it means to really live in the resurrection of Jesus. And it's not like we're waiting for some day to have a party in the sky either. Now that's part of the process, but that's not the goal. Jesus says, hey, while you're here in my creation, living on earth, now God's good creation is the heavens and the earth in Christ Jesus. Jesus says, while you're busy about in this earth suit, pray for the fullness of my reign, my kingdom authority to come in the earth, even as it is in the heavens. So it's not like, let's just scrap version one and kick it in the bin and wait for version two when we get to party in the sky. That's not the message of the Bible. The message of the Bible is that the God who made the heavens and the earth and his good creation and placed the pinnacle of his creation in it, you and me, who bear the image of God, the living God, he, his, his good story is, even though that that has been marred and broken by the powers of darkness and sin, where we gave away our rightful place in God's good order, God says, I'm going to restore all of that. And he comes and he takes on flesh, dwells among us, goes to the cross, confronts the power of sin and death in his own physical body for our sake. And in his death and resurrection, now breaks the strong man's hold. And the kingdom ushers in, in Jesus. The future hope of God has been restored, even as the prophets have said it would. And now that's outworking, even unto the day that Jesus returns. And we get to get caught up in the party of God right now and into eternity. See, God's partying. Because today, even in this room, there are people's hearts that are coming alive to the revelation of God's love for their life. He's partying. There are angels partying. You guys and, and me, sometimes we just need to pray that we would have, like Jesus said, eyes to see. <laughs> eyes to see what's actually going on as, as God's restoring all things. So in coming... This, uh, in this season that we're in as a local church, God's making all things new. And we get to step into that party. We get to step into that as a life. And in all things new, we are first and foremost, in Jesus, we enter into his kingdom. And now in his kingdom, that's now. That's, that's right now. That's like you don't have to wait another day. You get to enter into the king's reign by entering into relationship with King Jesus. And we come out from under, as um, John talks about it, underneath the kingdom of darkness, or Paul talks about it in Colossians, and we come into the kingdom of the son that he loves. 
out from one kingdom and into a new kingdom in King Jesus. That's how we get to live life right now. And as a result of that, we get a new dad, we get a new father, we get the father of Jesus Christ as our heavenly father right here and now. And we get to live, um, or we get the opportunity, grace is extended to us, we get the opportunity in the graciousness of God to actually stop allowing Satan, the father of all lies, now the father of all lies speaks half-truths and also sometimes might look fairly truthful, but is lying by nature to rob us of our true identity. So we get a new father, Jesus' father. So we get to come out from the enemy as our father and we get to inherit a new father. We also get to a whole new life. That as the king comes into our life and we into his kingdom, we now get a new life. One that is of eternal nature. Like not eternity then, eternity now and into the future. That's why we pray for the sick and we see the kingdom come and healing come. That's why we continue to feed the poor out of the small resources that we have. We bring out two fish and a few loaves of bread each week and we say, oh God, would you multiply this and do amazing things for the sake of the poor that they don't know yet that you love them. And in the process, we transform a whole region of people's understanding of the kindness of God. And we see God come and multiply and grow and prosper that which his kingdom is about. We get to inherit a new life. We get to inherit a new life and understanding of our identity as sons and daughters. Romans 8 talks about it. We, by, and we receive a new spirit by which we cry, Father, Father, I got a new father. I got a new life. I'm a son of God. I mean, you can tell me whatever you think about me and plenty of people do. But I'm listening to who's giving me my identity now. I'm no longer listening to the enemy who robs and kills and destroys. I'm now choosing to listen to the father of the Lord Jesus Christ who says, hey, Kirk, you are the pinnacle of my good creation in Jesus Christ. You're my handiwork. You're my workmanship. I've created you for good kingdom powerful purposes in the earth. I get to live in that truth. I don't get to dream about it. I don't get to wish about it. I don't get to like, oh gosh, one day I hope I wake up into it. No, that's been, I have inherited, I, I now live in that, in my relationship with Jesus Christ as King because I listen to him and who he says I am. We get a new life and we get a new family. God draws us into his family in the earth. How awesome is that? We get a new family and guess what? We get to bring all of our dysfunction and brokenness of what family meant prior to Jesus with us into the new one. But we get to learn to live a new way by the power of God and his grace. How good is that? That's so awesome of God, so kind of God, that he would provide for us a new way of living together. He's making all things new. And I just want to, these are the messages that we've touched on so far We've talked about we, we here at Pine River's Vineyard, as God's making all things new to us, we love being like Jesus. We love the journey of that. We love the journey of being a student of Jesus or a disciple. 
We love the pursuit of God. Karen brought a great message the other Sunday. Have you had a listen to it? Get on SoundCloud, have a listen. I think that's our top rating message at the moment. It's like going off the charts. Go, Karen. God bless the women in this place. God bless the women preachers. God bless the women prophets. God bless the women evangelists, the worship leaders. God bless the women in this church and more, Lord. We ask, um, we, we love the pursuit of God here at the Vineyard. Oh, my soul thirsts for the living God. Now my flesh yearns for a whole bunch of other stuff. But I'm learning to let my flesh fall in line with what Christ has done in my soul in making me a new creation and a son. No longer am I living and feeding my flesh according to my, my um, um, old nature, my old ways. It's learning to come alive in Jesus. The thirsts and the hungers that my flesh once had that told my soul who I was, it's now reversed. My soul is now being filled with the living God and it's telling my flesh how to live in the fullness and the grace of God. There's a big turnabout. You know, um, repentance. Repent and believe in the good news. Repentance literally means walking this way. Oh, I see in Christ a new way of living. I'm going to turn around and walk that way. That's what repentance means. And so in Christ Jesus, we get to live a new life in him. And um, we talked last week, dad preached on prayer. We value prayer. And this morning, I want to quickly, really quickly, talk about how we value the individual. I grew, When I was studying at uni, I think it might have been late high school and even when I started studying at uni, one of the TV shows that I used to love watching was called Cheers. It's about a bar in Boston. Some of you may remember that old TV program. There's reruns on telly. And they have a bar and then, you know, there's, they've got their usual characters and everyone has their place at the bar. And usually when, you know, someone comes in that's not at the bar, it's like someone walks in the front door and the whole bar just goes, hey, Norm, you've made it. You're here, you know, and that's like they've been waiting for Norm to get there. Uh, it's a bit like, let's, let's just try this for, you know, an example. Now, hey, Harold, I just need you, mate, just, can you just walk out that front door there for me? So let's just take this on, living illustration, okay? We're all at the bar, bar of King Jesus. All right, he's turning water to wine. We're having a great time. And, but there's something missing. Not everyone's here. But then H arrives on the doorstep. Harold comes up. Hey! Woo! All right, good job. Here's, yeah, it's your shout. Uh, no. <laughs> that was the Irishman in the front row. Uh, but but we, we love it because until H arrived, some, someone was missing. There was just the whole picture wasn't present. But now that H is here, Harold's here, the whole picture's here. And the whole picture, every other piece of the picture gets a sense of purpose and meaning because that which was missing has now arrived, that it gives us an understanding of who we each are. And when that piece isn't here, we also go through the process like, I feel like something's missing. Is it me? Often, it's the us factor. But it's in the context of the us we find the meaning for the individual. See, Paul talks about it in Romans, in Romans chapter um, 12. 
He says, for just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to the other. You, Harold, are our property. You belong to us and we belong to you. Such is the nature of the kingdom of God. See, God's writing a new story in the earth with a people that live completely differently to the ways of the world. Completely differently to the ways of the world. God's writing a new story of invitation of his kingdom and his kindness. Um, I, I'm not sure what you guys do on, when you go holidaying, but an Australian pastime when people go holidaying at the beach or in the caravan or wherever, they always take with them the 2,000-piece jigsaw puzzle. You know that one? And you spend the whole holidays, you kind of walk past the table and you do a little bit and you keep going with the hope that by the end of the holidays, the whole picture's complete. Well, um, we didn't do that so much on holidays, but there was a season there with my mum, she just loved doing jigsaws, jigsaw puzzles. Um, but my older brother Pete, he had this way of relating to my mum. And, and, uh, and he just loved to sort of, you know, stir mum up. And so what he would do is he would take one random piece and he would just put it somewhere in the house. (laughs) And mum would get the whole thing done and then it would be like, it's incomplete, we've lost the piece of the puzzle. You know, but it wasn't too long that mum knew, hang hang on, let me get a hold of him. And so she, you know, and Pete would just walk over to the bookcase or wherever and he'd open a book and boom, oh, oh, there it is. And he he would take great delight in putting the last piece in the puzzle. But we're made to belong. We're made to know our fit. Each individual person is made to have this sense of significance, individual significance. Now, you've got to remember, to live a significant life means that you can't and I can't be the centre of it. Because if I'm the centre of our life, then Dave doesn't get to be the centre. But if Dave's the centre, I don't get to be the centre. We, when we come into a relationship with Jesus and we inherit a new king, a new father, and we get a new um, uh, family, Jesus gets to be the centre. And we get our significance from a relationship with Jesus as the center. See, the invitation of the gospel is this. It's time to die. It's time to die. Unless you're completely happy with the life that you're living, you won't appreciate the value of the power of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the first message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is come and die. Give up your life that you're working so hard to maintain, so hard to control, so hard to orchestrate, so hard to author, so hard to shape, so hard to protect, so hard to prosper. Give it up. Let it die and receive a brand new life in Jesus. Like right now. And into the age to come. That's the beauty. Paul, you know, 
uh, Paul says, I now no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If, he, if we could just stop putting ourselves in the center and let Jesus be the king, the master, the friend, the discipler of life, and live out of the overflow of who he is and how he views life. Significance. King Jesus gives us purpose. King Jesus gives us our place in his family. King Jesus gives us meaning as to the contribution that we bring. In, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, Paul talks about... Um, I'm just jumping. That was through Romans chapter 9. But in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10... Paul makes a statement about that we are the workmanship of God or the handiwork of God. And I've harped on about this for a couple of years and I'm just going to keep harping on about it until we live it. We're the workmanship of God created in Jesus Christ for good works. Now that, that word workmanship is if you're an artist if you're a poet, if you're a musician, you would probably connect or you would probably connect to this word a little quicker and easier. Because it literally means you are the artwork, the masterpiece of the artistic expression of God. You know, some people and I I I sit in awe of some of the people I get to listen to as they speak. It's like the words they use, the, their sentence structures, their their public speaking skills are like way off the charts in regards to me. And I just look at it and I go, whoa, they, they paint this amazing picture with words. I want to do that too. Art. We're the artwork of God. And it's really important that we understand that God is making us his unique creation, um, both as individuals. So thank goodness Nicole's sitting there and probably thinking, you know, thank goodness there's only one Kirk. You know, there's only one Kirk. And I know, you know, um, and I'm pretty glad there's only kind of like one of you guys too, <laughs> you know. Any more than that will be too much. Because I couldn't contain, I couldn't contain it, the fullness of God. Each of us have a unique grace on our life. Paul talks about it back there in Romans 9, about being um, this unique grace on each of our lives. And we need to bring that as an expression of the kingdom that only we can bring. Thank, I just love the fact that when I walk into this place, we've got people from every socioeconomic bracket here. We've got people from different language groups and nations. We have people from different... Um, understandings of family and culture and context, I thank God that this place, when it's all jammed up together, it presents this amazing picture of only God could do that. Only God could do that. Thank God we don't have to all wear the right shoes to get in the door. Thank God we don't have to wear the right shirt to stand up in front of others before we get a microphone. Thank God that we get to be who Jesus has made us to be. And just as H walked in the door, we get to celebrate that every time we get together because there's no other place on planet Earth that does that. None. It's the gift of God through the church to the world. 
your poetry. Each individual is unique like that. And even churches are unique. Anglican churches, Catholic churches, all types of independent proddy churches, Pentecostal churches, they're all unique. They're amazing in their creative expression to who God is. And thank, thank God for that because not everyone fits in this church. But there is a church where everyone fits. That's such good news. I love this church, by the way. I love the unique individual way that God's fashioned this church for his glory. I love the, you know, the values and the unique distinctives about this place. I love this family. But this family isn't for everyone. As much as I'd like everyone to make it their family, it's not. There's other parts of the body that people need to find their home in. All over, all over the world and all over our, over our town. There's unique churches, unique individuals, all made by God for his purposes. I just want to quickly say, because we're pushing the clock here. In Romans 12, 12, Paul talks beautifully. He says, let's find it here. He talks about our life together. He says, your love must be sincere, hate what's evil, cling to what's good, be devoted to one another, honour one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, and share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. A 12-12, a Romans 12-12 kind of church means that even right here, right now in this room, some of you are filled with amazing amounts of joy. You came in here this morning and it was like the tank is full and overflowing with thanksgiving. I have, I have such a gladness of heart before the Lord and I'm truly thankful for his love in my life this week I, and the things that he has provided and shown and done. My heart is full. Some of you have walked in the room today with hope, with a confident expectation. It's an unfulfilled pro prophetic promise of God and yet you somehow confidently entered this room today with a sense of expectation that God knows where I am, he knows where to find me, he's true to his word and he will bring to pass exactly what he has promised me. Some of you have bounded into this room with confident expectation. Some of you have walked in this room with a sense of, I am literally just persevering. I am literally in a place, and it feels like it is one of long-suffering patience. I've, I've literally walked into this room, and there is such uh, this, I feel like I'm in this place of, I have to endure this place that I'm in. It's not a pleasant reality. There's a place for you in the church, when the church gathers. Whether you've got joy, whether you've got hope, or whether you're in a place of long-suffering. And there are seasons where we suffer long. We don't deny that reality. We don't try and sweep it under the rug and hype it up and try and escape truth, that truth. No, we run to King Jesus. And we say, oh, King Jesus, carry me, lead me, show me through. God, I love this church. Man, I love this church that people can come in wounded, bleeding, 
Paul even says a 12-12 kind of church is one where people are under affliction. I mean afflicted, both by the works of the enemy and the soulish, sinful actions of human beings towards them. They are afflicted. They are beaten down. They are trodden. They are oppressed. And they are living a pressurized experience. There's a place for them in the church. There's a place for you in the church. Jesus' church welcomes all of that. There's some of you who, you know, talks about, Paul talks about faithfulness. You know, long, you know, I've used that saying before, a long obedience in the same direction. Left foot, right, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Not turning to the left, not turning to the right. Faithful obedience and longevity because I have you in my sights and you keep saying, come, follow me. I will show you the way. Faithfulness. I love the long story. The older I'm getting, I love the long story. <laughs> it's like, because in the long story, it's like I've got a greater depth of resource in the history of God that as I reach back and I celebrate that with King Jesus in my personal prayer life with him, as I reach back into the faithful story, the long story, he launches me with the power of his spirit to keep going into the future. Faithful and obedience in the same direction. Long obedience in the same direction. Doesn't mean I haven't been knocked. Doesn't mean you haven't been knocked left and right or tripped or like all sorts of stuff come against you. But faithfulness. Prayer. Some people are intercession. People of intercession. 12-12 kind of churches have these kind of people that like choose to posture themselves to carry the heart and the vision and the promises of God for the sake of those that they live among. A place of intercession. And it's not just a place of prayer. It's a place of actively participating in the resourcing of seeing the kingdom come into those people's lives. It's like, yeah, let me go. Use me. Let me open my wallet. Here, take out of my cupboard. Here, here's my car. Just use, go. Here, here, here. And need. That's the other word that Paul highlights there in Romans 12, 12. Oh, those people in that church are so needy. Good. You've come to the right place. Thank God the church is a needy church. God, we're so full of lies. We just get so filled up with cultural lies that we have to somehow be all together and fixed before we can appreciate the generosity of our God. He says, come on. Follow me. No airs and graces. He didn't say to any of his disciples, before you can come. He just says, come on. They downed tools and they lived a new life because of the power of that compelling invitation from Jesus. Finally, they got to live a life out from underneath the cultural KPIs and the expectations of others. And they got to live a life of grace and generosity and freedom and truth. And the provisions of God. They got to live the kingdom life, a 12-12 kind of life. And there was times where all those disciples, you can read all their stories in the, books, in the book of Acts and, and through the epistles. They were guys who were joyful one moment, confident, hopeful the next. 
persevering. Another, they were in long suffering. They got afflicted. They were faith. Just go and have a read of Hebrews. Some of them got sawn in half because they just said, No, Jesus is my Lord, not Caesar. I love the church. I hope you're hearing that today. Because when I'm saying that, I'm saying I love you and I love the way God operates through you. And at the same time, I'm saying don't come any other way than as you really are. Boy. Man. Okay, I'm going to wrap it up here. Paul also talks about some simple practices. If you're wanting to grow, if you're wanting to like let the Spirit lead you into a couple of simple kingdom, Jesus 12, 12 kind of practices as an individual and as a community here, Paul says this, be sincere, be gracious, don't be hurtful, be gracious, be sincere. In other words, don't try and be a knockoff of the real thing, don't try and copy others, don't try and... Be who you are as Jesus has made you, as his workmanship, as his creative gift to the rest of the church and through the church to the world. Be sincere about that. Oh, man, I blew it there. I did great there. And celebrate that with each other and everything in between. Devotion. Be devoted to each other. That whole idea of devotion there. I can't pronounce it in the Greek, but it literally means this. Being devoted to one another means literally respond and treat each other as if you were that that other person was your actual flesh and blood that you love as family. Sometimes it's hard to love family, isn't it? But that's why it's the way of the kingdom. That's why it's a supernatural grace of the Holy Spirit that helps us to be devoted to one another. Be devoted to one another in the way that you speak about each other. Be devoted to one another in the way that you speak to each other. Be devoted to one another about the way that you speak about those who haven't met Christ and found their way here yet. Prophetically engage with the world that you live among with with sincere devotion. Look at people through the eyes of the Father and love them. Honour. Woo! There's a good word for our culture and our nation, isn't there? Honour. We're really good at cutting each other down. But literally, that whole idea of honour is take the lead and be the first person to want to esteem others. Like, if you're going to push to the front of the line to do anything, it's that. Esteem others. Celebrate them. Be the first to honour them. Be the first to say, hey, great job, man. Well done. Honour them. And the, the last little practice that I want to encourage you, you all to is hospitality. Don't you, you know, we do all these spiritual gifts tests. What would you get? Oh, I got hospitality. Oh. Well, that's, it's in the book. It's a, it's a grace from God. We got it all wrong because we don't like being servants of Jesus, do we? We just want to make everyone servants of us. But when Jesus is king, we get to serve him and everyone around him. We get to spend our life for their sake. Be hospitable. 
intentionally make room at your table for others. Who have you invited over for a bite? Or who have you just rung up and said, hey, listen, we're coming over and we're going to bring the tie with us. We're on our way. I know you're going to push against all the cultural norms and all the like, woo, 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 woo. Be hospitable. Practice hospitality. Now, let me just push that hospitality thing just a little bit further down the line. Because on the one level, we often struggle to invite people into our homes because we feel like our home isn't organised enough. What will they say about me? if I really let them into my home and they see how it operates or what it looks like? Will they love me? Will they still care? Will they think I'm worth knowing if they see that we're one of those families that wear their shoes on and put them on the coffee table? I know it sounds silly, but that's what we spend so much time wondering about. If we have a hard time even letting the people that we know into our homes, Paul here is actually not talking about the ones that belong to the church. When he uses that word hospitable, it literally means the stranger, the one that you don't know yet. Who are you inviting into your life that you don't know? And yet God is saying, invite them towards you. Go towards them. And Paul doesn't say, (laughs) Paul doesn't say if it's a good day and you feel like it. He lands it right on the people of Jesus because we're living this other alternative reality that the world can't offer. He says, make this one of your core fundamental practices of kingdom living. It's not an opt-in, it's not an (laughs) opt-out. It will depend, though, on how significant King Jesus is to you as he invites you into that place. There's so much life flowing through King Jesus and through his church and to the world. Hey, we're just going to, we're going to call it, we're going to call it there. But we're going to, we're going to um, pray and we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. And we're going to ask him to minister to us about this. And we're going to ask him to begin to show us the conversation that God's actually having with us in this moment. So why don't we stand? Let's stand together. If you're visiting with us today, one of the things that we love to do here at the Vineyard is we welcome the Holy Spirit to minister to us. And often that's not just a little conversation going on in here. It is that, but it is also where his kingdom comes with power and authority to heal, to deliver, to set free, to give life. And so sometimes there's feelings of like literally power of God coming upon you and you can expect that in this moment you may feel that in your body there are 
physiological phenomena that take place as the power of the king comes upon you. And that's what we're asking for. His spirit, his spirit would come. I mean, he's already at work. I can, I can already see some of the effects of the spirit moving in the room. It's a bit like the wind, isn't it? You know, you can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. Even now, I can see the effects of the spirit on a number of you in this room. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us. <clears throat> and we thank you that we see the fullness of that love for us in Jesus. Lord Jesus, would you be the centre? We know that you are, but what we're saying in that is, Lord Jesus, we give you the authority to be the centre, to be king. And we invite you now, Holy Spirit, come. Come. Would you just come and bring the kingdom to us? Come, Holy Spirit. Just wait. Just wait upon the Lord. intentionally just dialing it down right now so that the Holy Spirit can dial up his presence and you're aware that it's him. Come Holy Spirit.